Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become patron today the sports walk is back watch season four of backpack broadcasting's original award-winning web series that brings you the opinions of real sports fans in these streets literally in these streets the first three seasons and current season with new episodes every Monday are available now on the Backpack Broadcasting YouTube channel. Check out the 2017 NYC WebFest official selection and see what other sports fans have to say on the hottest issues in sports today. It's easy, y'all. Just take the sports walk. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over-under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAEX. Prize picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep, that's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play. Download the Prize Picks app today. Sorry, it was so good. We almost brought the music back again. You like hey, it? Yo. New... <laughs> hey, yo. That little West Side Gun should be up there. <laughs> we got some new intro music for the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, episode 219. Shout out to Ghost Dave for the production. Yep. My man, Ghost Dave, uh, East Flatbush in the building on the production. My man going back a long time. Uh, he did the production for that beat. He's done a lot of other stuff for us with Backpack Bull. We shout out to him for that. Uh, he's been on the show before. He's done a lot of stuff 
Flea Lord, Griselda Connections, all that. He's done some producing for that. So uh, he now will have the music for our new intro for 2022. So, you know, we we, we switch up the music. This is our third uh, intro music we've had on the show. So, you know, we, we got to change it up from time to time uh, for you guys to enjoy. But Brian and I, we are here. We decided to do this episode a little bit later uh, in terms of, well, earlier, actually, in terms of how we drop it. But we decided to go live on a Tuesday because of the national championship game last night. A lot that went on this weekend. And the, Raw, and the Raw after WrestleMania. And the Raw after WrestleMania, which I did not, which I did not watch, guys. But I did watch some WrestleMania. I did yeah. watch some WrestleMania. I did watch some WrestleMania. Dan Kerr, you hear that shit? Yeah. Come on. I did, watch, I did watch some WrestleMania. I did see some stuff. I did not watch everything live. I was in and out. There was other stuff I was, was doing. A lot of, yeah, it was there's a lot. There's a lot going on, you know, and that's that's just how it is sometimes. Uh, I am. I have not even talked to Brian about this because I've texted him about this in days. So I'm selling, telling him this now. But I am uh, about halfway through this season of Top Boy. Pretty good. I might oh, say. pretty good. I Woo! might say. Although I, I, I am annoyed with a certain character right now. I'm annoyed with somebody, but we'll get to we'll we'll get me, to that. Me, I uh, was probably annoyed by the same person. Yeah, I, 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 Pebbles. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, there's somebody else. Your voice, your your face tells me there's somebody else you're annoyed with. Don't tell me. Don't say. Don't say. Don't say. Don't say. Don't say no. Don't say. Oh, you've already seen the character. I'm sure I have, but I don't want to know who you're annoyed with. I just want to be annoyed on my own, and then I'll find out. Okay, okay, it's okay. The, the, this Pebbles character is annoying me, but I feel like this where I'm at. I feel like she with. means well, but she needs to shut the fuck up. No, we'll, she, we'll get. We'll get. She's, we're gonna get yeah, a top one. I don't want to ruin nothing for somebody. There's sometimes people who act stupid, and then they get things that happen to them, and you're like, "Well, yeah, because I'm stupid." That, that's, <laughs> that's just it. That, that's that's what I feel about that character. Uh, we got a lot. We got to get into that. We got national championship game last night, which was a good one. We mm-hmm. got uh, Coach K got him up out of here. USC doing what they had to do for the people. We appreciate that. Uh, New York Nets opening day is Thursday. And I'm feeling Brian and I, other I and other Met fans, we were like really hyped like a month ago. And now we're like, no, no. We'll it's talk a about that. Situation. We got WrestleMania. Uh, we got the Grammys messing up a category, particularly Reggae Album of the Year. I'll get to that as well, too. So a lot to talk about on this episode of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. But we got to start off with the national championship game, Brian. We got to start off with that. Kansas. Defeating North Carolina seventy-two to sixty-nine. North Carolina. I, I'm disappointed, but I can't be fully disappointed in them, right? Because they they did it for the people. They, they, like Ryan was texting us last <laughs> night, and he's right. He's like North Carolina already won two championships this year. Yep. They, we were being a little greedy, asking them to win three. They've been doing it for the people. And some of you guys listening are probably like, "What's Dexter talking about doing it for the people?" If you know, you know. We'll we'll get to that later. But North Carolina, you know, they come out a little bit slow. B. Then they have that nice was it fourteen nothing run to end the first half. Things are looking good. They're up fifteen in this game. We're thinking it's good. I'm thinking they're getting ready to erect the statue of Hubert Davis on down in Chapel Hill, which they still should, regardless of winning or not. They still should. We'll get to that later too. But. They blow it. They blow the lead. Kansas comes back. Look, this is what I'm going to say about Kansas coming back. Sometimes basketball ain't that hard, Brian. It ain't that hard. Mm-hmm. Like, they did what they needed to do, which was, like, feed 
the big man yep. inside. Get easy buckets. If you know anything about a Brian Fonseca all-star or sometimes the way Brian might want to see some basketball play, Brian like, would like people to get – let's get a little bit more in the post. Let's bang a little bit. Let's get some of those easy buckets inside, right? You don't got to do all this shooting from the outside. Not saying balance. it's not necessary. I'm just saying I like balance. balance. I, I, was somebody, like, I was somebody who yeah. shot a lot of threes back in the day. Just I had to, right? Yeah. But – if I had somebody, shit, if I played with a really good post player, like a legit one, like if I had a if I had a Dexter Henry in high school, you know what I'm saying? Because right, you right. play in the post. Play in the yeah, post. we get those entry passes, you know what I mean? Like, I think there, I think there should be more balance instead of everybody trying to be Steph did, Curry. Did you like what Kansas did? Because I I thought in feeding the big they, – they, they tried to exploit what they needed to exploit. They yeah. just went to what they knew was going to work and going down low. And the guys hit outside shots. But they kept the defense honest. I thought they did what they were supposed to do. Did you like that? In boxing, they teach you to attack the injury. And with Armando Baycott, we knew that he had an ankle problem going into the game. And we knew that he wasn't going to be 100%. Still played a hell of a game. Like, I absolutely loved his effort. And if yep. I'm a team, and if I have a second-round pick, uh, because I don't think he's going to go in the first round just because of nah. the way people look at you know prospects now. And to what our point, you know, they want more perimeter oriented guys or more versatility but if i'm in the second round i'm absolutely taking him and if i if i believe in my developmental system i think he could be a starting center at the next level if you uh, like sort of hold he's a talent. really he's a really good rebounder that's something you can't teach he's a really good rebounder Skill, how you feel about effort but yeah. like but like yeah if i'm kansas like i'm looking to exploit the fact that he has an ankle injury and they did that like they went on a run sooner than i expected you knew the run was coming like i felt like going into the halftime i think it was 40 25 uh, North Carolina was up. You felt like the run was coming. And it's crazy because I had this thought right at the end of the game where I'm like, yo, of the top five things I'm going to remember most this season. Maybe this says more about me. <laughs> this national title is not going to be in the top five. It'll be right there. But like, right. It, like it's going to be it's going to be St. Peter's in whatever order. St. Peter's Duke lost number one against North Carolina. Duke lost number two against North Carolina, which we're going to get to in a second. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think this Kansas is going to reach the top five for me necessarily, right? Um, I would have to name two other moments, but we're not, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, shit, Miami's Elite Eight run, getting to the Elite Eight for the first time. Miami, Iowa State, I thought that was really cool. But I think the tournament itself was great. Like, I think it's more to say, like, how good, uh, this season of college basketball was it was interesting, and then just the tournament in general. I think the tournament was awesome. Both men's and women's tournaments were awesome. The men's had more upsets, which typically happens, and then with the women's side, you had probably the four best teams left. UConn was the number two, really, because Paige Beckers got hurt mid-season and missed a couple months. Otherwise, they probably would have been a number one seed. And that game that they had against North Carolina State to get into the Final Four was probably the best game between both tournaments, where it went into double overtime. And then Paige Beckers was getting buckets late. Reyna Perez is tough. Like, both NCAA tournaments were great. And as it pertains to Kansas, like, yo, I was looking at their, uh, I guess if you want to call it a resume, before we started this. The amount of national championships, Final Fours, Sweet Sixteens, and Elite Eights. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that should be overlooked. And even I can get sort of bored by them sometimes. And you know I'm not somebody who gravitates to, you know, oh, this is consistently excellent, whatever, whatever. Um you know, there are certain things that we can sort of parse through that. But I do think that they should be commended for their excellence, right? Because they've just consistent right. every year. It's it's every it's almost every year it's a given that Kansas is gonna be one of the four number one seeds. And that's crazy. And you know, 
Bill Self, I guess he deserves some respect because, look, they came back, had a hell of a second half, and they won against a North Carolina team that they should get get theirs too because, look, I, like many others, thought they were going to lose in round one to Marquette. (laughs) Me and Murph said that up here, right? This wasn't a traditionally great North Carolina team. North Carolina as an eight seed, usually you look at that and be like, eh, even though you're eight seed, you're still one of the 30, 35 best teams in the country. You're a North Carolina eight seed, which is a team that's usually used to having number one, two, three, four seed in the tournament. And for them to make this run, maybe not even the top 10 Carolina team on paper, but this is one of their best runs in that program's history, a program that has had Michael Jordan on it, right? So they should be commended for that too, because I no one saw this coming, or at least I didn't, and many others didn't see this coming. Because again, it was entirely possible that they would have lost to Marquette in round one if Marquette played as well as they could have. And then they barely beat Baylor because they had an epic collapse in that game as yeah, well, man. which yep. is something that you know we've talked about up here. Yep. Yeah, that's true. I mean, nobody saw this coming when UNC. Like, I hate to put my school on the line here. They lost to Pitt this year. They lost to Pitt this year. Pitt was not good. You know, we're, we're happy for the win. You know, we, we were able to battle with excellence for, for a little bit. But they lost to Pitt this year. They're not good. But this run was absolutely fantastic. I do agree they should get credit. Kansas should get a lot of credit. Bill Self, you know, there's been some games where he's lost a big game. He hasn't won. But he's had that team constantly as a well-oiled machine since he took over for Roy Williams when Roy Williams left to go to North Carolina. So, you know, there's a lot of ties between the schools. It's a well-oiled machine. He had done this. It's a great comeback. I thought the kids came out with a lot of energy defensively on the Kansas side that North Carolina just didn't seem to be able to match in the second half. Um, I thought, like I said, I think the biggest thing for me was just, yo, going with what works here, not doing too much of what they did or didn't need to do, right? You know, feeding the bigs down low, attacking the rim, taking the quality open shots. The key, obviously, was defense. They were able to force some turnovers, get out on the break, get some easy buckets in transition. I thought that was really helpful for them. But, yeah, I give a lot of credit to Bill Self and that team for responding. It's easy at down 15 at the half to mail it in. They didn't mail it in. Carolina, even when he got punched in the mouth, I think that was something we should give, give them credit for, too. Even when they got punched in the mouth, Brian, they still you know responded. This is still close. They had chances there, and they fumbled a, a couple of possessions. Uh, down the stretch and some key turnovers in the final minute, but they had a chance um, down the end, even with, uh, I'm forgetting the player's name who stepped out of bounds. They had a chance to tie it with three, but you got to You got to like, it was, it was a good game. It was a game of two major runs and then Kansas was able to hold on, but like salute to Kansas. I agree with you, Brian, fantastic tournament. Um, Also fantastic women's tournament. As you said, I think you will remember St. Peter's from this year for how they played. Brian got a lot of what he wanted in this tournament. He got a lot of the underdog uh, lo- lo- loving in this tournament, right? I got, he, I got Puerto Ricans going far in the tournament. George Condit, you, got, you know yeah, what they, I'm saying? They, the tournament was catered to you, man. Like the tournament I got, was I got Butch Lee's kid, Matthew Lee, you know, going far in the tournament with St. Peter's. Yeah, the tournament was catered to you, so, you know. And Daryl Banks, who's their leading scorer, yep. also half Puerto Rican. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just, you just, you just, you just, you just didn't have it. You can't, you know, next I, year's tournament won't be as good, though, right? You know, it won't. Yeah, probably not. I will say, this, this is, this is one of my favorite tournaments in a minute, because I feel like, I mm. feel like we haven't had as many great tournaments lately, but since at least 2016, 2016 mm-hmm. 
was the one where uh, Villanova Chris Jenkins won on the buzzer beater against North Carolina, actually. Yep. And where Marcus Page had a ridiculous shot before that. That tournament, I, it, was, it was a pretty epic one. Also, I think this is the best one since that. So you're talking about six years, basically. Unless I'm disrespecting 17, 18, or 19, uh, totally. But And last year was... I didn't think last year was a bad tournament. It's just, you know, it's it was different. You know what I mean? Different environment, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And I just feel like not even because – not even like because it's in a bubble or whatever because I actually thought the NBA bubble playoffs were really good and really interesting, and we don't give that enough credit. But for college, what hurt it was there were just a lot of games cut. There were some conferences that only played conference games and didn't – you know, weren't able to schedule regular season games. But then the entire year – it was kids getting COVID and kids testing positive and not being able to play. So it just, I feel like that made the whole situation wonky where I feel like this was back to, you know, college basketball, full season, et cetera, et cetera. But this is a great tournament, both men's and women's tournaments. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A great tournament, both men's and women's tournaments, as you said. So, you know, you got like a national title game, Kansas defeats North Carolina 72 to 69. Hopefully you got to enjoy that. But before we got to the national championship game. Oh, man. If you are a fan of the UNC Tar Heels this season, I don't even think it matters for y'all that y'all lost. I don't think so. You know why? Because you sent Coach K home and you spoiled the Coach K retirement tour twice. Twice they did it. And I spoke. I was at work. I think this was on Saturday. This was Sunday. On Sunday. I was talking to somebody who was a UNC alum. They were so happy. They told me they didn't care what happened to, on Monday. And I understood it. They were like, like you, like Brian's been saying, it was like, we already won our championships. That's what they're saying. And they, they already, already got six. They already got six national six. titles. It's like, we, we, we've done this. They were like, the, the, guy, the person told me to send Coach K home without having a chance to win his sixth title national title was so sweet so sweet and i said to this person and also my man zach brazilla also said this too yeah we gotta we gotta put a statue up of him at, at chapel hill he sent coach k home if he had won a championship last night hubert davis you know needed that statue but if he had won the championship last night whoo whoo that would have been so sweet for him yep. to have sent coach k home also ruined his last game at cameron indoor where they smacked him. UNC just smacked him. And Coach K was, was mad about this. And look, some people might be like, Coach K is a great coach. What's wrong with you, Dexter? Why are you not respecting Coach K? Well, we've talked, I'm not saying Coach K is not a great coach. We've talked a lot about Coach K and his greatness. Okay. We we know he's done a great job, what he did at Duke. We know all that. I think what Certain people may not understand, particularly if you're not from the black community, right? <laughs> and I don't want to take all the credit for this because I think a lot of us have talked about this. We know this, we feel this way. Omani Jones on his new show, Game Theory, did a fantastic job uh, of a little sketch that he did about this. Look, you was growing up when I did in the early 90s, the kind of players that Duke recruited, right? Particularly when they were becoming more and more black uh, starting players in college. Duke wasn't really going that way. They were still recruiting the Christian Leitners. They were still recruiting that guys. And when they recruited black people, it was a clear certain kind of black person. Okay? They're, they're, let's just say they were staying away from the uh, the urban folks. 
as some of y'all might like to say. They were staying away from that. So I think more people, particularly if you come from urban inner city areas, you rocked more with the Fab Five in Michigan. You know what I'm saying? They were a little anti-counterculture, more hip-hop, ULNLV running rebels. You were down with them. Georgetown Hoyas, down with them. The people looked like you a little bit more. Styled like you a little bit more. We're trying to style on people on the court like that a little bit more. A lot of these teams had the Brian get down and up, right? We're out here to mash things. We're out here to, pardon my language, things up, right? We're trying to get this done. And it was very anti-Duke. So I think a lot of people, you know, they were happy to see Coach K go out like this. They didn't want a happy retirement for Coach K, you know, because later Coach K started recruiting those kind of guys. Oh, he changed it up. He understood what he had to do, but it was later. But we nobody ever talks about why he was recruiting them, those guys before. We just avoid that subject as if it didn't happen. But it happened, and we saw it. And you know what? Some of us are happy. Some of us are happy that this happened, and he got up out of here. Our man Gerard Hector likes to say Coach K is a tyrant. <laughs> He's not here for him. All this other stuff. And there's some points to that, too, how you should talk to his players, how you talk to the media. There's definitely stuff on that, too. Uh, are you shedding any tears for your, your man, Coach Come K, on, man. Getting up out of Come here. Come on. Right? <laughs> if you know me at all, you know that Duke is everything I don't stand for. All right? <laughs> like, like in terms of how – in terms of Dexter's astute breakdown and, you know, who they recruit with, until recent years where Coach K felt like he had to adapt and start getting one-and-dones and, you know, guys from different communities and such. But at the same time, like before – you know, I I absolutely detested much of their teams. I hated JJ Redick when I was younger. Um, I told like I, I love him now as a he's one of my favorite basketball analysts now, and I listen to his podcast. But I absolutely detested him, which he probably gets this a lot. Probably gets this a lot because, and he probably gets it because people just hate Duke. I hated Greg Paulus. I remember uh, when YouTube was starting. And you, it was just the wild, wild west out there, Dexter, as I talk about often. I remember people putting out those Greg Teabag Paulus videos of him getting dunked on. John Shire, I couldn't stand him. Who else was on those teams, Dexter, from like the late 2000s or whatever? Late 2000s. Hold on. You got Greg Paulus. Uh, Greg man, Teabag Paulus. That was his name. Yeah, Nolan, it's funny. It, but it was a funny. Nolan Smith stint. Nolan Smith. But look. Uh, no, Chris Duhon was a little bit before that. Chris Duhon was actually the first, someone I thought of. So too, I thought I, of yeah. For me, it was like, nah, I, I like Chris Duhon. He's fine. You know yeah, the, I mean? the, but the other thing that should be noted, I'm, I'm not cutting off your point, but the other thing that should be noted is those teams, you know, those teams in particular with Coach K, those, that's where he struggled. And those teams did not win. And Those are my favorite teams. Yeah. Those are my favorite ones because they would always lose in the tournament. They would lose too early and it'd be great. You know, CJ McCollum and Lehigh busted their ass one year in like yep. 2012 or 13 or whatever that was. Let me pull up a roster from 0809. Gerald Henderson was on a team. Didn't Gerald like Gerald Henderson. Yeah. Oh, Ma- Miles Plumley. Miles Plumley. Oh, okay, oh. that was the start of the Plumley run. Oh, okay. Not stand the Plumleys and Lance Thomas. And yeah, I said Nola Smith already. Kyle Singler. Just a bunch of hateable fucking basketball <laughs> players that I could not like I just, I just couldn't get down with them so yeah I do not like Duke uh, I always and and for I always found myself sort of having a soft spot for North Carolina for this reason I don't typically like the blue bloods surprise surprise but 
North Carolina always had a soft spot with them. I said, Dexter, like quite notably on one of our most recent shows, I realized that in just sitting down and thinking about it, other than R.J. Barrett, I never drafted a Duke player in 2K. And that's not even something that was planned just out of instinct. I just never did it. Like I would see player, it'd be like Derek Brooks, NBA Live 2004, school, Duke, nope, next. Like I just wouldn't (laughs) draft a Duke player. It was just built in me. So to see Coach K go down like this. Also, by the way, we're sleeping on this. He lost the ACC championship to Virginia Tech. Not like an awesome Virginia Tech team, right? And they got punked that game too. But to lose to North Carolina. Virginia Tech between that. And North Carolina again. His last home game at Camera Indoor. And then in the final four. I mean, Hubert Davis. Just, you know, make the statue. Make the statue for Hubert Davis now. I don't even care that he didn't get a national title. You know what I mean? Yo, because it means means so much to people, especially at Chapel Hill. I also spoke with somebody on Friday before the uh, Final Four game Saturday who is from Chapel Hill, and they were like, man, I'm so nervous about this game. Like, they're from it. They they were like, they wouldn't even want to be in Chapel Hill for this. That's how nervous. They were like, if we can pull this off, you can tell for North Carolina folks, people who are from Chapel Hill, that that game meant so much to them. To send Coach K home, it was so sweet. So sweet for them. And I understand. I I sent sent a joking message to one of the group chats I'm in. I was like, yo, it's a – so Roy Williams is the problem after all, because all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's the case, but no, they, were, right. they were, you know, they weren't great at the end. And, you know, Hubert Davis turned him around to which, again, I don't even think this is a top 10 Carolina team of all time in terms of talent. No, in terms of no. what they accomplished, though, and in oh, terms of amazing. what they pulled it off. Like, yes, they're absolutely like, listen, this is this is a North Carolina team to be remembered. They deserve the 5, 10, 20-year anniversaries, you know, get-togethers and all that stuff because of what they did. And they were a Cinderella. Look, I think only Villanova is only the other eight seed to win a national title, right? We've had a couple get into the Final Four, whatever the case may be, but that's a rare thing, even though it's North Carolina, arguably the most storied program in college basketball history. Like, I don't want to lose sight of that. But, yeah, fuck Duke. Uh, bye-bye, Coach K. I'm fine with that. I'm also still, like, given that he gone out like this, I'm not convinced that he doesn't do a Tom Brady here and decides to come back, but I hope that does, I hope that's not the case. Cause I'm that, would, that would be, that'd be messed up. They've already named yeah. the successor, and that that would be messed up. He said he's fine, and he'd be fine riding off into the sunset. He should be. And, he got all the, all he, that. look, he, he, he pissed most of us off for 30 years. Well, I wasn't here well, for 30 I, years. I don't, I don't know about, know. I don't know if it's most of us. Uh, listen, as much as there are people who are anti, there's a lot of people on the other side that are loving Coach K and Duke. Right? They're, they're loving Coach K and Duke, and I understand it. I get it. I don't have anything personally against Coach K. Like, like seriously, I don't. I don't have anything personally. Yeah, I'm, just telling, I'm just saying, just so people are clear, I'm just saying where it came from and the rooting against him. This is where, this is where it stems from. It, it seemed like a certain kind of – Black player at the time could not be. Well, honestly, seemed like it was like was not recruited by Duke, was not uh, able to go to. Duke. You heard what Jalen Rose said when he thought about Grant Hill at the time of the yeah. five documentary. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed to repeat it, but I, I was fine. He called it. We can say what it is. He called him Uncle Tom, right? Like yeah. that. Like and that was only what like nine, ten years ago when that documentary came out. And twenty eleven, I think. Twenty eleven, right? So eleven years ago, and he called him Uncle Tom, and it was there was a stigma. But I feel like Dexter, of, I feel like not, you, that was, let me, I want to be clear. That's not fair to Grant Hill. 
But I feel I, I feel like I you and a lot of plan. I feel like you and a lot of people that look like you who were around at the time probably looked at that and were kind of like, mm-hmm. yo, <laughs> what the, 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 what I took from that was I understood the emotion of the perception and why Jalen Rose felt that way. Right. Completely. I do not think Grant Hill not is that Grant Hill time. is, but you right. can see how he got to that conclusion. Yeah, yes. but there was a you know middle class to upper middle class black folks were kind of the player that will get Grant Hill was a dope player. Let's just be clear on that. Yes. Grant Hill was actually yeah. the first to get the, the Jordan comparisons. Right. One of the dopest players to come out of Duke. But he was that prototypical kind of black guy that will go. You know what I'm saying? Middle class family, probably lived in the suburbs, you know, maybe came into the city to ball with certain other black kids, that kind of thing. Nice like kid. That was it, light skin. Yes, there were. <laughs> go look, y'all think I'm tripping on this? Go, go, man. Go look at who they was recruiting. Wasn't a lot of dark skin brothers till you got to Elton Brand. Go look at that. Okay, it, it's proud about so, Elton Brand. So, yeah, there was a certain kind of guy, black guy that they had, and there's a lot of classism and racism potentially, um, and, and stereotypes around it. So, yeah, this is why I think there's a certain segment of the black community particularly back there, particularly in the early 90s, that was like, yo, nah, yo, F Duke, right? There's a lot of people that ran with the Fab Five. The Fab Five, the Fab Five, Georgetown, even up to when Iverson got there, they represented for a segment of the black population, because I want to talk about all black people, segment of the black population, they were more of the teams that resembled the youth, the hip hop movement that was coming was coming about. Those teams look like everything about the Fab Five. Love the sock, the black socks, the black kicks. Loved it, man. Loved it. And and I think there was a lot of people that was like, this is the counterculture alternative to Duke. That's what it was for a lot of people. And I think people still see Duke on the front of a jersey, and they still see Coach K, and they're like, oh, they didn't, they didn't want me. And whether that's fair or fair or not, I don't think we we can. Say to Coach K, Coach K is a legendary coach, man. You cannot take away what he did at Duke, especially when he came there in the 80s and turned that program around and all the national. Nah, man, dude, dude's a fantastic coach. Not, yeah. take, not taking anything away Team from Team USA, delay. gold medal winning coach. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Nothing out of there. Are we happy to see you go? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. Yep. All right, moving on. We're going to talk some baseball. Opening day is Thursday. Uh, I don't even know. We, like, when the labor stuff went off, I, you know, I was. I was happy. Um, Are you getting the show this year, by the way? I'm thinking about it. That's usually the barometer of my excitement for the upcoming baseball season is whether or not I'm going to get the show. Because it's not at the level where 2K, I'm getting it every year. I have so many things to play, and I'm trying to play. And I'm like, man, I want to add another sports game. And I've really enjoyed – I've actually really enjoyed 2K on the PS5, um, Mm. despite some of its limitations, Um, which we talked about before. Uh, but yeah, maybe I might get the show. Would like to see what a, a baseball sim could do on the PS5. But the New York Mets, look, like I said at the top of the show, we had all the hype this year. I think the Mets had a pretty good offseason, even though it was disjointed with the, the lockout. But, <sighs> right. You know, man, Mets fans, we. we don't have too many years, let's put it like this, where we come in and we got some expectations. Right, like we these years don't come about only, but so much what more you than say? we think. No, no, you say would, more than we think. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I, I say more than we think because, like, oh well, a little bit of a younger Met fan, right? But 
my first baseball watching memories were like in 98 when I was four. And that's when they started getting good. And then 99, 2000, they went on a run. 2000, they weren't bad. They had some expectations, but they weren't as good. And then it didn't come around until that 06, 08 run, which is one of my favorites, even though there's reasons for that not to be the case. And 09, I don't remember their expectations. And then they had that other window in like 14 at the end. They started being pretty good. And then you had some expectations for 15, but not much. Then you had expectations for 16. Then for 17, then it went down. So every like five years or so, there's like these little three-year windows where it's like, oh man, like, you know, we're we're really, we're really good potentially. I think we're in the middle of that now because there were some expectations last year and then it fell apart at the end. Uh the year before was a COVID year was weird. 2019, I don't think we expected a ton, but you know, I, I, we didn't expect them to suck, right? And I think I remember them being competitive with injuries, et cetera. And now this year, I mean, injuries. And that's the other thing about being a Met fan and watching the Mets for a long time. You know, injuries are part, injuries are part of baseball, period. But mm-hmm. it, it feels like the Mets just have one of the worst lucks in terms of just injuries in general and it's felt that way for a while. And now we're seeing it with Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer. So you can lead us into that. Yeah, man. The Grom in particular, because I don't think Scherzer's is that serious. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. We and I have some level of concern. I think any year you come in with expectations, I do have some level of concern. Um, I think you're right; they fluctuated every now and then. Last year, you said some expectations was disappointing. This year, I think the expectations are heightened because of the addition of Scherzer, money, um, some, just uh, money, ownership. Money, you know ownership. that you know Steve Cohen's trying Second to win. Year, can yeah. Lindor do something? Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Yeah. But Brian brings up Jacob DeGrom. And Friday, if you're a Mets fan, you had a little bit of a blow, and this is probably what got you concerned. Let's take it back a second. Last Sunday, the the previous, not that Sunday, the Sunday before that, not the Sunday just passed, the one before that, DeGrom and Scherzer both pitched in the same spring training game, and they both looked good. Scherzer pitched, excuse me, DeGrom pitched about three innings. Um, I think he gave one run, looked pretty dominant, struck out five. Scherzer went a little longer, did about six innings, was really dominant. Both guys look good. Just like, okay, DeGrom's ramping up, coming up back off of his surgery. Um, You know, the injury he had last year, he's looking pretty good. You know, he'll probably get up to five, six innings by opening day. Fine. Then you find out he's got inflammation in the shoulder. Gonna, you know, gonna just rest. They're gonna reevaluate in a month. Could be out for up to two months. And you're like, that's one. Then the next day, the next day, this is Friday, the next day, Max Scherzer is supposed to be pitching a minor league game, right? And then you get word from the Mets, he can't pitch in a minor league game. Because of a hamstring issue that already had been noted early in the week, but it was thought by many people to not be that serious. It's like, okay, this is just kind of whatever. It worked through it, but he's pulled out. He said he didn't know about it. It was going to be day to day. And I'm like, we got our two aces. We got two really good pitchers. Scherzer's older. And this is maybe why Mike, she might be a little bit more concerned about him. Scherzer's older. So you worry about how he bounces back from something like a, a hamstring. But they, Jacob DeGrom is the one where you know he could possibly be out for two months. So 
I'm very concerned here with DeGrom because it's the same shoulder again. He hasn't been able to get really the reps that he needs in the innings. He got up to three innings. He was looking pretty good. And now this is a setback. He spoke on Sunday about how disappointed he was uh, with the injury. But if they don't have DeGrom for a period of time, Brian, if Scherzer misses any time, he doesn't start opening day. And I'm not, like, really big into, like, oh, my God, who has to start opening day? I don't care about that the way some of y'all do. I just don't care that much. But if he's got to miss time, it's really – and I think even with DeGrom out, it's really on the offense this year. It has to get off to a good start. You got a lot of guys going to be pressure on to produce. Lindor's got to produce, right? Alonzo, you want to see some stuff out of. Escobar, new addition. You'd like to see Who's having a very good spring training. Very so good far. spring, and I don't put too much stock into that, too, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Star- Starling Marte. James McCann. Yeah. He needs – yeah. Guys are going to need Tomas to hit. Tomas Nido's breathing down your neck. <laughs> That's right. And guys need to hit in ways where guys haven't hit, right? Um, for when – that's not – we won't even talk about the ground starts where guys don't hit. But there's a lot of pressure on the offense, and I think there's a lot of pressure on this Mets team. The only thing that makes me feel good, and I'll let you go, Brian, the thing that makes me feel good about it is I'm a big fan of their manager in Buck Showalter. I think he has the temperament to keep these guys right and get what he needs to get out of them. I just worry about the pitching rotation. Is there enough talent if both aces are gone? I think it could withstand DeGrom being gone for hopefully not two months, but if he is, I think they could be able to do that. I just hope DeGrom can get healthy, pitch again, and his team has enough of a focus and hitting because the division ain't easy. Dodgers are still out there. Mm-hmm. It ain't easy. So, you know, it's just typical Mets, it feels like, to get high, have these expectations, and then injuries comes crashing down. Yeah, I mean, with Jacob DeGrom pitched 15 games last year, 15 starts. Um, that was really when the injuries started because before that, it was 12 starts in 2020, but that was the COVID season. You know what I mean? There weren't any major injuries worth noting there. And before that, it was 32, 32, 31. Like, it wasn't a big issue until now and it's unfortunate because Jacob DeGrom is also in his 30s at this point it's going to be 34 June 19th so 108 ERA last year though so when he pitches he's better than pretty much anybody pitching or wearing a baseball uniform on the planet and they have Max Scherzer there who I'm not as concerned about it sounds like he may miss a start but like I'm not too worried about I mean, the age concerns me, yes. But right. in terms of this particular injury, I'm not too concerned about that. With the Grom, I'm just conditioned to where they say, expect him to miss at least a month. I'm already in my head like, all right, so we'll see him after the All-Star break, just as a Mets fan. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's kind of what you're trying to do. And in looking so, I'm going to pull this up here uh, from our boy, Nick Pollock at PitcherList.com, who they have the Mets rotation. DeGrom Scherzer, Chris Bassett third. How do you feel about Chris Bassett, Dex? Um, he's all right. Like, I mean. Right. That's kind of, that's kind of the point, right? Like, fine, 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 fine at three. I have no problem with that. Like, I think he's a fine third starter. I like that trade. I thought it was a trade worth making. I don't like him as a number one if we're going to, you know, not have Yeah, well, yeah, well now you're moving him up to number one, number two. And he's, <laughs> he's probably, you know, if. Scherzer can't go. He's your opening day starter. Again, don't I don't get crazy about who's starting on opening day. I'm not going to go crazy about it. Carlos Carrasco. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he's all right, but we'll see. Tyler McGill. My dad likes Tyler McGill. He, he has some hopes for him. He likes him more than David Peterson, um, which 
you know, kind of in the same boat right now. I'm kind of like, wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Taiwan Walker, who I still like, he collapsed at the end of last year. Started off bit. last season really good. I like that sign. I give him a it. pass because it was his first full season in like three years because he's mm-hmm. been injured and he lost gas at the end. It kind of ha- like he hit a wall. It happens. Don't want it to happen again this year. Hopefully right. he can make it through healthy because he, he was a big part of that. He was all-star last year, right? So Taiwan Walker, who I think should probably be opening day starter maybe. But uh, Taiwan Walker's there. Uh, and I mentioned David Peterson. I mean, like, he should get a look here, you would think. And if he's going to be something, what I didn't like was the rumor trade, which we should talk about a little bit, mm. Dom Smith to the Padres for Eric Hosmer. Chris Paddock, and I'm already forgetting the other person. I think it was a reliever. It was a reliever. Um, From the Padres. Yeah, his name is Kate. Who th- He was probably the best part of the deal. But that's Which is saying. crazy because Chris Paddock looked phenomenal in 2019. Like, he looked like he was going to be a stud, a star. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but I got, yo, I, I got to say this about that. And I got to sh- I got a shout out to my man, Victor, because he's the one who told me this. He came up, he was like, yo. When you read about Chris Paddock, you start hearing all these buzzwords. That's like great potential, strong arm, just needs to put it all together. And my man Victor was like, you know what that sounds like? Oliver Perez. And I was like, yep, yep, (laughs) yep. (laughs) Yo, yeah, it does. It does. It sounds like Oliver Perez 2.0. And here's the thing. I used to root for Oliver Perez. We know he had the good stuff. He needed to work on the control, all that stuff. He was still pitching like a year or two ago. He, yeah, he just retired this, this offseason. Just retired, yeah, I believe. Yeah. Just retired. So shout so, out to him. He, he out, didn't yeah. put it all together, Yo. but he, he put enough together to play. No, he put stories. enough together to earn some money and feed his family. We, all, we That's fine with me. Yeah. I, I Listen, that trade, and I didn't talk to you about this trade, but I, I don't think we did. Maybe you brought up the group chat. Every Met fan I knew was like, nah, son, nah, we out on this. Nah. Like, nah. And, the, and Met fans love Dom Smith. Like, that's what it is, too. It's a, it, for good reason. Like, he seems, by all accounts, a lot of people just love his personality, et cetera, et cetera. Every time they mic him up, I get excited because I know that it's going to be actually entertaining. And I do want to talk about potential. This is somebody who, I think he's, wow, he's 26 now, maybe. But I still think that he's somebody who can reach a level that he yeah. did at one point in his career early. I think he struggled a bit last year. And I also think, like, it's been weird, right? Like, some weeks he'll play five times and other weeks he'll play it's a couple two. times and then right. pitch hit and then he'll but don't start. But and- don't you think some of it, Brian, I, I always hear this the thing with Dom Smith because I like Dom Smith too, like you. But I think the thing is, people always like, "Oh, he doesn't hit for power." And I'm like, "Yo, but he's a pretty good gap." I don't care. Why he? Why he got to hit for power? I, I, I'm with you because he plays first. It's old school. To, oh, he yeah, plays yeah. first or third. It has or to be a power he's big, position. You know, or because he's big or whatever. I think we get bogged into too many of those. Like, this is a power position. He plays left field. He plays first base or third base. So, like, I, I think sometimes those things are. Stupid, My first baseman right? could play leadoff for all like give a shit. Like, I'm, right? I'm, if he right, it's it's like. We what? look. That's another thing. We got we got past the point where people remember before leadoff was always your fastest guy, which I still would do. By the way, that's something that I would still uh, subscribe to. Except nobody steals bases. That's all other thing. Yes. That's why I would steal bases. That's why I would do it. That's yes. why I love Starling yes. Marte being on this team. But you also have like now you got teams just putting their best hitter first. 
which is not something that I would do because I would want my best hitter to have somebody on base most likely. Yeah, so, I, I would want that too. But uh, like I'm saying, my point is that we've grown out of that, and that's basically it. But Dom Smith last year was the first year that he had more than 200, not at bats, plate appearances in a season. Okay, because he just hasn't. Remember, 2017 he was a rookie, came up late. 2018 he was up and down. Uh, 2019 he was pinch hitting. 2020 was COVID. And then 2021 finally got, you know, a full season where he was playing more so. Right. And he hit 244. By the way, above league average because everybody's just doing the same shit. Now, and now he was somebody who got hurt by the shift, right? He was somebody who got really hurt by the shift. And now this year, you know, we're going to see. I still... I still am not anti-shift because I think motherfuckers should just learn how to hit the other way. Yeah, I, I've, I've always, I've always, I've always been, I've always been, I've always been on that. Uh, a couple of you, shout out to uh, Twisted Tapioca uh, up, up in here. What's, what's good with you? Uh, also, he had a nice comment. Brian keeping a stack of books behind him, pretending he reads is still wild to me, but I digress. That's Damn, my Brian. book. That's I wrote that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let him know, Brian. Let him know. It's on Amazon right now. Let him, let him know. Uh, also, shout out to shout but out. But yo, to I don't read that many books. To your point, I don't. He he knows you don't read. He know he 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 knows. But he wrote a book. You can't take that from him. Shout out to my man Omar. He says Don Smith needs a new team. It's gonna play him at first and leave him alone. To your point, though, he Brian, might. I don't want him. To, I don't want him to leave though. And they have Universal DH now, so I feel like there's a path. They should utilize him. But part of the reason I think they might want to get rid of him. Not. I'm saying I'm not. I don't agree with this. This was the point I was making before. Part of the reason they might want to do it is like, oh, he doesn't hit enough for enough power. If you're gonna, what? I think it's stupid. I think Dom could be a good hitter. I think he's a really good gap hitter. And I think there's ways yeah. we should look at that, the value in that, a lot more. Um, I think that I understood why they might want to flip Dom because they're like, okay, what that told me was, all right, this Jacob Degrom thing might be a little bit more worse than we thought. Let's try to get some depth here. Don't want to use my Dom Smith chip there if I've got to use it. See, and that what well, that was the thing. It's I was fine with the thought of using that chip. That didn't really bother me. It's are we gonna we're gonna use it for Chris Paddock, who had one good season, and all you're telling me is a ton of upside. To your point, Dom Smith is a ton of upside too. And I trust what I've seen with that upside more than Chris Paddock, who sounds like Oliver Perez 2.0. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and Eric Hosmer, like, I don't want to – we're getting him too late. Well, the word the word on that was Hosmer would come. The Padres, which should also scare anybody, and I think it would scare you, Brian. They were able to so, the salary, right? They want to pay a lot of his salary, right? <laughs> they're so desperate to get off this dude. They're like, man, it was going to come down to the Mets only having to pay him six to seven per year. And then what I was hearing was the Mets – I agree. Gonna, I agree with this comment here, though. The Mets were going to flip. Uh, try to flip him and move. Uh, my man, uh, my man Omar says Mets' best defense might be Dom at first and Peter P- DH. I also do agree, I agree with, that, with that, right? I agree. Why, with that. Why, 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 can't, why can't we do? Why can't we do that? Buy out Robinson Cano. You want to get rid of somebody on the team? Well, I'm, Omar, Omar, Omar agrees with you on that. You, re, you, re, re, you, re, you want to get somebody on the, off the team? Because I, I look, I didn't I, even want to. I didn't even want to see Cano this year. I didn't yeah. want to see him in a Met uniform at all. Yeah, like, I don't think the Jeff McNeil, Francisco Lindor thing is... I mean, look, maybe last year there was some tension or whatever. I don't think that it seems to be a thing now that I'm worried about, right? Mm-hmm. So, I would... And I said you this last year. I would like for him to just play second base, assuming that he and Lindor can, you know, have that chemistry that you needed there. If not, you have Eduardo Escobar who can play all over the infield anyway. 
But regardless, right. like, I don't think Cano needs needs a spot at that at that number. Like you want to shed some salary, you know, get him out of here. I listen. I'd be fine with that. I didn't want to see him on the team in the first place. Do I think he still can help? Yeah, I guess so. Fine. Do I mean? I mean, I'm like the young people are gonna say, well, the younger players look up to him. Should they? They should look at him to not take PEDs. How about that? Like that 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 that, I, that I'd like to see. And look, I think. Uh, I think my man Omar brings up a good point here. Yeah, why can't we put Dom Smith at first base, who's the better player defensively that we know, right, and put Pete, who we love. We love Pete, man. Put Pete in the DA spot. He ain't got to play the field. He's got to worry about being in the lineup, providing the power that y'all love, and hitting bombs and doing what he does. And Dom could play at first base. We know he can play at first base. He's a better defender. We, we 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 know we know that. Yep. Um. So I I I, I don't know, man. But you know, we, we're you're right. You're right about you're right about uh, Cano. You want to get a guy off the team, you should look at doing that. I don't yeah. I don't think the Mets need to make another move right now. But then again, I don't know the information that they know. They might be a lot more concerned about this Degrom injury or no more. And like, yo, we need to shore up our depth. I respect them for trying. I just don't think Chris Paddock was the answer. That's all no. I'm saying. That no. trade didn't excite anybody. And then you were going to tell me you're going to flip Hosmer. Well, you can't flip Hosmer when you when then it comes down to a salary being six to seven million a year because now he's really worthless. I don't even know if the Mets would have been able to flip him, to be kind of honest with you. Yeah. I don't know. And it's like Hosmer has been booting stuff in the field. He has no role on this team. He's not better than Dom Smith. No. So, not yeah, today. We 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 didn't have we didn't have to do that. Um, are you are we going to give a prediction on the Mets? Do you, do you uh have a total of wins for the Mets this year? Just get into the fucking playoffs. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> just, just get because in baseball in baseball you just got to get into the playoffs. And now I did, play- I did I did. I did wait, wait, wait. Also, you should add get into the playoffs healthy. How about yes, that? Yes, get, get into the. the that's the most important thing. Just get into the get ninety wins or whatever 90, 95 wins. Ninety, I think, should do it. And then uh, be healthy come September 30th and then go from there. I did in a FanDuel video uh, a couple weeks ago. I did pick them to win a division, um, you know, once I saw Freddie Freeman leave. But I feel like Atlanta could replicate Freddie Freeman's uh, production with Ronald Acuna Jr. But, yo, go in as the wild card. I don't give a shit. Baseball's weird. Look at the Red Sox last year. By the way, I think people are sleeping on the Red Sox this year. They have the fourth best odds out of five teams to win that division. Fifth is obviously the Baltimore Orioles. I think they could win the division again. They have one of the only managers who matter, and it's Puerto Rican. Hey, oh, th- there we go. Got to got to put on. Got to put on. Yo, he he's a, he he gets Alex Cora gets shit done. I think he's one of the best managers in baseball, and I also think that Boston. Oh, I, I don't just I don't Boston's just going to make I'm a splashy move at some point. I think they're going to make a big trade uh, to like really like get into that top group. I think they're better than the Yankees. And I think they're probably going to be better than the Braves. Yeah, uh, Red Sox. The Red Sox are really good, and you're right. Honestly, I agree with this comment, comment though. If the Mets don't get to the postseason, we riot. There ain't no LOL for me. If they if they get to, they don't <laughs> they get, get to the, the postseason, get to the postseason we riot. Period. Yeah, they don't get to the postseason this year. Nah, fuck that. I'm tight. Scherzer, Degrom, uh, Lindor, uh, uh, fucking L- Escobar, and Canna, L- which L- carries Canna, L- not Canha. Sally Marte. Lindor's got to have a good season. I actually think that he will. I'm actually not worried about. Oh, him. I think he's MVP think candidate this year. I think Juan I, Soto wins it. But I hope I think so. He's MVP candidate this year. I hope so. Somebody actually questioned me the other day. Asked, do I think Lindor is that good? And should the Mets have traded for him? I was like, yes. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Somebody who actually thinks that Rosario will end up being a better player than him. No. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, Twisted Topeka had a question: Do we get any degenerate future bets? I lay down, know nothing about baseball. Look, I threw down some dollars on the Mets to, to uh, win the World Series, and I, this is months ago too. This was after the Scherzer. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. MVP. There you go. I that's, like that that's, one. That's that's the one that I've been thinking about in my head, potentially putting money on. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. MVP and then Juan Soto in the National League, I think, is going to get a lot of love for this year. So even though I don't think his team's going to be that good, but that didn't stop Bryce Harper from winning it last year. That is true. That is true. We'll see. We'll see how the Mets go. We're Mets fans. Shit, Shohei Otani, too. The Angels weren't that good. Weren't that good, but except he, he except his numbers were stupid. No, nah, he, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, man. Yeah, yeah, his yeah. numbers were stupid. But I'm just saying team success for MVP in baseball doesn't have the same weight as it does in basketball, which that is true. I think we're going to get into that next week because the regular season will be over. Yep. But, yeah. Yep. We'll have, yeah, basketball. It's going to be a lot of fun basketball. It's going to be a lot yep. of fun basketball talk next week. Gerard, Jamal, hope y'all are watching. I hope it's te- also a tease <laughs> for basketball talk. Brian will be joining me on Friday on the NBA Exchange That's right. to talk about his team. Y'all know who that is. <laughs> Y'all know who that is. You know, him and my, the boy Timmy talk about this in the Bahama Rican boys. Y'all should check that out too. Uh, Five Reasons Sports, shout out to them. Check that out. But we'll be talking about the Miami Heat because I'm very intrigued to see what Brian is saying. This is why I saved him. Saved him as a guest for this episode because I wanted to talk to him about the Heat going into the playoffs if they're the number one seed, which we might know by Friday. Uh, definitely want to talk about what they can do. So we got a lot of basketball. Oh, man, there's so much I want to talk about the basketball. Here are a fun team, man. We got, we, uh, to answer some questions, yes. here, Antonio Urbano, uh, does Soto get 500 mil? I don't think he does, but I think he might get close. Like, I can see. What did he reject? 350? 350. 350. 350 he rejected. It was around there. I think he can get four. Not for 10 years, so it'll be longer than 10 years. Maybe 12, something like that. I think you get four. And Soto is, how old is Soto again? Soto is 23, 24? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think. Yeah. Somebody, somebody give him, so is going to give him 12 in that bag. Somebody will. Now, I'll be We're both Mets fans, John Rodriguez, to answer your question. Yeah, I'm just intrigued to see uh, how it, it that's structured with opt-outs. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm both there. Yes, John Rodriguez, we are both Mets fans. Shout out to you for joining long suffering thanks for watching we appreciate that uh twisted topics yes you know what time it'll be on friday hashtag heat culture that just might be the name of the episode hashtag heat culture that's all it is i wish brian would come on the show with a shirt that just said that like, i don't that have i don't I, i'm not you, you know, don't have any heat gear no i'm not <laughs> Yo, you know, i'm not like actually a fan of the team uh, whatever and, and, you we're, know we're, what we're, i mean i love watching them ignore they, that, they, there are some i will say this there are some very very good that i work with at five reasons sports some very good content creators uh who make uh, entertaining content surrounding the heat or whatever the case may be but i i am not like the people who watch our stuff where they're like living and dying with games and shit like that nah, like i just I enjoy mean, watching the team or whatever they're just they've been one of my top five favorite teams to watch probably throughout the course of my uh what last? I would say five years of my career. Yeah, I'll so. say last. I'll say last four or five years for you. You've yeah. been on it. I think a lot of if people don't know a lot of the, the way the team plays, which as a culture I respect. I also want to say that I laugh and joke about this, but I have a lot of respect for the Heat in terms of things that I identify with. Oh yes, yes, and, and they're always ready for violence, except for you know when they came to the Knicks and they were punks. PJ Brown trying to flip over Charlie Ward. That's a whole other story that we don't have to get in get into here. Um, okay, I can't believe I'm saying this. On an episode again, yeah, second week two straight in a row. weeks. Like I can't even believe I'm saying this. My man Brian Fonseca, 
He made me do this, y'all. He made me do it. It's I blame him. I blame Dan Serafin. I blame Kurt Semder. I blame all of you out there. All of you. Because you know what you did. They were like, Dexter, why aren't you watching the wrestling? You got to watch more wrestling. You're not doing it. You're not respecting the sport. Now, they didn't really sound like that. But you know what I'm saying. So anyway, we had a great, check out our last episode. We had a great discussion about wrestling. It was a fantastic discussion with my guys, Dan Serafin and Kurt Sumner. Brian, of course, was leading the way with all his extensive wrestling knowledge, which he is, Brian has a very extensive knowledge in combat sports. Please, please put some respect on the man's name. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to combat sports. So I will say this. I tuned in to a little bit of the WrestleMania 38, okay? A lot of y'all thought I wasn't going to do it. You thought I was just going to be out here clowning the wrestling community. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. We're going to, you know, going to look at some things. Be objective. Now, I didn't get to watch a lot of this with my daughter, which Brian had asked. It just didn't happen. She fell asleep. It didn't didn't work out that way. Um, But I'm going to try to start watching some of these highlights with her, particularly showing her Bianca Belair, which I will now say I'm a fan of. Okay? Yes. I'm a fan. I like like what the young lady is doing. I respect her whipping people with her hair. Particularly, I mean, whip, particularly how some people used to whip us. Um, that is not that uh, bad to see. But I watched some of this and I found some of the stuff entertaining. There's a lot of stuff we had talked about last week. Brian and I did Stone Cold was coming back. That was nice to see. I like this tag team group, the Usos. I didn't see them until the Monday after Brian and I recorded the last episode, the last Raw. I watched it to do some pre-WrestleMania 38 homework. Yes, people, I actually did some homework. And I was like, okay, I can get down, I can get down with this. Um, and that was fine. What else did I like from what else did I like from this? Let me let me let me think about it, Brian. Cody Rhodes. Oh, Cody Rhodes. The return of Cody return Rhodes. Back, and then he he was on Raw last night, right? Okay. Yes. So I I I I saw all this. There was some good stuff. One of the things I want to say before we let Brian take this over, because it's really his thing. <laughs> but one of the things I will say is one, wrestling, wrestling, you know, WWE particular we're talking about particularly, yo, the production value and what they do is dope, man. Like they they got the pyrotechnics going on, the screens, ATT Arena, like in terms of just presentation, right? Like it's just on par with like things you'll see at the Super Bowl, even if you've seen these things in person or NBA All-Star game and those kinds of things. Like the presentation's there. They got the people hyped up. The wrestling fans there are hyped up. I can only imagine what Brian looked like watching this game at home. I can uh, this, these matches, I should say, at home. I can only imagine what what that was like. But I can see why the people get hyped up. I can't. Um, secondly, the level of technique, which is something Brian and I have talked about in terms of wrestling, and I don't think I was privy to understanding that until a story that Brian and I still have yet to put out. But we worked with a wrestler. We will get out there someday. Um, and saw some of the technique and stuff they use. You can see this sometimes. I know it's fake. I know I've clowned that a lot of stuff is fake, and some of it is hilarious because it, we know it's fake. But some of the moves that some people do, it's like, man, that was really difficult. If they didn't do this the right way or something didn't go the right way, somebody definitely could have been hurt. So there's impressive stuff I saw in that. But I think the standouts for me was um, Bianca Belair defeating Becky Lynch. That was a very entertaining match. Um, I saw the, the Usos. And what's what's the what's the group with with my brothers out there? It's the Street Profits. Street Profits. Street Profits out here. What what people's out there? Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like their get down too. 
Um, they're, 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 the solo they're, cups coming out of the sky. <laughs> they're, 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 they're entertaining. Um, Roman Reigns obviously doing doing his thing that he does. And I, 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 can we start there with this? I have a question on him. How does the general wrestling community feel about him? Right. Oh, this is great because I because I went and so the night after we recorded, I was sitting actually right where I am right now, and I was watching. I texted you. I was watching that was it the WWE Evil or whatever they have. Yeah, yeah. I was watching I the started. the doc piece that they had on him. I did not finish it. I got about twenty five minutes in. I want to say to people, very good. If anybody knows me, you know I like long form stuff. I like docs. It was actually uh, very good and interesting, and I was very interested in his character. Yeah. Ryan had let me know a little about his lineage, which I actually did not know till earlier that night. I le- I learned all the stuff. I'm watching it. It's very interesting how he went from basically uh, kind of clean-cut, nice guy, exactly. wasn't yep. necessarily working uh, before he became sick and then returned to the ring and then turned into a heel. Found that rather fascinating and how he's kind of embraced it. And has, I have to say, it looks like it's kind of working for him. But I just don't know. Here's why I'm asking. Like, I don't know how the people feel about him because I'm not plugged into this. How do the people feel about him? Because I think he's he's entertaining. He's almost universally lauded as like the best heel in wrestling now and has been for a couple of years and has been the best thing going that WWE has had probably for the last couple of years. The thing with him and his background and Dex, I also recommend the only episode I've watched so far is the Hollywood Hulk Hogan one, which obviously gets into how he turned heel and why he turned heel, et cetera, et cetera. There's been other stuff on that, but I thought they did a really good job on that. And that's from the NWO era, baby. So you already know. Um, with Roman Reigns in particular, he came up with the shield with Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose, who's now John Moxley in AEW, they were bad. They turned face. Seth Rollins famously turned on them, et cetera, et cetera. Roman Reigns became the biggest star out of all three at one point and was being pushed as, excuse me, <clears throat> as a big baby face, a big face, a good guy to people who don't know what that means um, on TV, et cetera, et cetera. And for a long time, sort of like what happened with John Cena at some point, except John Cena never turned heel, was people were clamoring for Roman Reigns to turn heel because it got stale as a baby face. And, you know, it was like, all right, like this is boring. It's the same old shit, whatever, whatever. Because after a while, when somebody is a hero and that kind of hero for a while, it gets tiresome. It happened to Shawn Michaels in the 1990s and it happened to John Cena in the 2000s. So, and it happened to Batista in the 2000s, and it happened to Rey Mysterio in the 2000s. Like, that's just sort of what happens, like, with certain guys, right? Roman Reigns was in that category. They finally, he beat leukemia. Whoa. Came back. They finally. I didn't, I'm sorry. I did not know my man Omar was down with the wrestling. I did not know this. You heard the, 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 the term X-Pac heat, if people don't know where that comes from, is X-Pac became really boring, famously, in the early 2000s. To where he had X Pac heat, to where people would like just X Pac sucks chance or whatever, Sans, whatever. Yeah. Because not because he was being a good healer, he was just boring. Like that's really what it was. People got tired of him. So Roman Reigns got that, but way worse because he was a main eventer. So they finally turned him heel, uh, and then he went on a tear, and now he's super egotistical uh, and doing all the heel shit. Has his group, has Paul Heyman, arguably the best manager ever. Has the Usos, who are legitimately family members of his, and they yes, all grew yes. up together. I, I, I found that out through that watching that. I found that out. Yeah. I did not know that. I was like, okay, yeah. 
So he, they're Rikishi's kids, and he's Rikishi's nephew, et cetera, et cetera. The Rock's cousin, all that cousin, shit. All this stuff, right. So now the setup that people believe is going to happen is now that Roman Reigns is still champion after beating Brock Lesnar from WrestleMania, is that he's going to face The Rock at WrestleMania 39 in uh, Los Angeles, Hollywood. Um, I don't know if he's going to be champion by then because The Rock and Roman Reigns don't need a championship to make that interesting. At all, you just need okay. you just need to you just need to fight. You just need the Rock and Roman Reigns, right? right? Like that's the thing about it. Like so, and the match with Brock Lesnar wasn't great, but I, I, people think that Roman Reigns there 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 hasn't been like a report on this yet. People think Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar may have gotten hurt, so they cut the match short. I thought it was cut short because the Rock was going to come out and f- confront them, but that didn't end up happening. But otherwise, yo, I thought this was the best WrestleMania in at least three years. Um, okay. Three, three years ago was a famously Kofi Mania, where Kofi Kingston won a WWE title, um, and then all the videos of you know black people gather around crying, emotional at Kofi Kingston winning the title, which I hope that he can get back at some point because he's so good and has been for years. Um, this has been the best one since at least that last year was pretty emotional because you had two black women wrestling for the WWE women's title and Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. Then Bianca Belair goes out and makes history again. She's a fucking superstar. Um, to me, the best match of the entire pay-per-view was Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes had one of the loudest pops of the night, had an epic return to WWE from AEW after his contract came out, and he had a promo that I do recommend people watching um, from that started Raw about you know how emotional this was. And also did an interview with David Shoemaker on The Ringer that I found interesting. That was right after WrestleMania. So some good reporting to David on there. Shout out to him. Um, best matches of the night, though, for me were Cody Seth won. Um, Which I didn't get to see live. But oh, yes, go ahead. That's the best one, I think. Uh, I actually put Stone Cold and Kevin Owens number two. I, I, th- I, I, I got to see that. And, and then, and, Bia- and then yeah. Bianca, Bianca Belair and Becky, um, Lynch. Becky Lynch at number three. But look, and that was great, even though like. I know Reddit's probably going, the Reddit streets are probably going crazy because Becky Lynch's ass was out the entire match. But anyway, um, Stone Cold Steve Austin coming back and doing that. I just want to say this and then I'm going to get off it. To see Stone Cold back, I was raised on Stone Cold Steve Austin, Felix Trinidad, Mike Piazza, the Mets, uh, you know, Curtis Martin, et cetera, et cetera. Like this is one of my guys growing up, right? And to see him come back after 19 years away, and to have one of the best matches of the night. Not because we were going crazy for Stone Cold Steve Austin, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But a typical Stone Cold match is, it's simple, but it's not its not really that complicated or whatever in terms of the moves. And I think wrestling, especially if you watch AEW, it can be too spotty. The moves can be too complicated. And for what purpose? It seems to be low uh, or high risk, low reward, Right where you're doing spots and jumping off the turnbuckle and colliding into each other and doing four, six thirty splashes and all these moonsaults for no reason, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Like things need to have a purpose. That's why the attitude era was great because while the wrestling wasn't awesome, you felt a lot. You felt a lot of things. And Stone Cold is good as anybody ever at making you feel shit. And that dude took bumps, took a suplex onto the concrete at one point from Kevin Owens and made people feel something the entire match because he can work a crowd as good as anybody ever to ever do it and show that then. Um, and the fact that they made a no host bar made a lot of sense so that he didn't have to go into his gear, which, you know, at almost 60, I don't know if that would have been appropriate. Right. 
because right. he obviously doesn't want to wrestle anymore to that point, right? And then just to have that great of a match, like it was just great seeing him again. I was just in awe the entire time and like, yo, how is he fucking like doing this? And we got to shout out Kevin Owens for being a great dance partner who also tweeted out a photo of him meeting Stone Cold Steve Austin when he was a kid. And then a photo of him standing across from Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania. That had to be fucking awesome for him. So shout out to Kevin Owens, who I think was perfect for that. And then Stone Cold came out the next night, stunned Pat McAfee, did <laughs> stun Vince McMahon also at 77 years old. The worst stunner <laughs> sell of all fucking time, if you haven't seen it. It was hilarious. I have to look that up. I did not see oh, that Oh, it was one. terrible, Dex. It was awful, uh, but it was so great. And also stunned Austin Theory. Um, but... You know, he got Pat McAfee or whatever. And, uh, yeah, so we got a lot of Stone Cold. And it's going to be, to me, one of the most memorable WrestleManias. I have to think about what is the best one since. But it, it, is, it is very yeah, good. Yeah, there, there it, it was, from what I saw, entertaining. Um, you know, I told you the week before I liked Kevin Owens. Didn't know shit about him either. But I liked, his, I liked his whole trolling get down. I'm really impressed. I did not know my man, Omar was into the wrestling like this. I didn't know. He's also a Jamaican brother, which I have to hear what he has to say about mm. best reggae album, the Grammys. We'll get into that in one second, Omar. One second. Hang, Last hang thing I'm going to say. Go ahead. Last yes. thing I'm going to say on wrestling, right? Yes. Last thing I'm going to say on wrestling is um, just a couple complaints. Uh, it's it's still... It's <laughs> are, you still gonna write a, are you going to write a letter to uh, Vince McMahon? <laughs> no, it's, it's still long. So, like, usually they would have matches on the pre-show, at least a couple, right? Right. They've, had, they've done that. This year they didn't. This year, both WrestleManias, day one, uh, night one and night two, started at eight and ended at roughly midnight, right? Which on a Saturday, whatever. On a Sunday, it doesn't feel great. Sunday is tough. Right? And it's like, if you're starting the pre-show at six and you're doing the thing that they did on college basketball last night, where you're talking about the game, and in this case, the matches for two hours, all right? Put a couple matches in there so that the card can go from eight to eleven, and or just start the card at seven. Do you watch the pre-show though? Like, I, no, like, not really. Okay, I see. I didn't think so, but okay, I just I don't need curious. to because I, 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 I the promo packages they show there, they're going to show during WrestleMania before each match, and right. the stuff that they say and talk about. I don't need to hear analysis. You know what I mean? I, 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 feel like, I, I kind of feel like that about every sport. So uh, what you're saying is like, I slap That's that what I'm football, saying. If I don't need, if I don't need it for Kansas versus North Carolina National Championship, I damn sure why do I need it for the New Day against Sheamus? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and, and you know, uh, whoever was on I mean, I guess. Forget. I mean, I guess if you're the casual fan coming in, but even if somebody's a casual fan, I'm going to be completely honest. Like, I do not watch wrestling like that. Even if coming in, I knew some stuff from you, or I'm like, I could have read about it, and I would have been fine. <laughs> That's the thing, too. I, I would have so, been fine. If something major happens on the pre-show, I got I got my phone right here. You know what I'm saying? I can yeah. find it. It's fine. All right, we're going to move on. We're going to cut one of the topics we're going to talk about, which is the NFL expanding the Rooney rule uh, here. But, you know, NFL is trying to save face and act like they care uh, about adding at least one minority uh coach in terms of like position coaches on the roster and one female coach just be interviewed or, or something like that. But, you know, um, I already felt like there was already a minority coach on the roster because, you know, you always got the running back coach and the running back coach always looked like me. So <laughs> it, it, I don't feel like they're really changing anything there. Um, okay. Grammys did not watch the Grammys. Nope. Me um, 
Shout out to Nas, though. Heard he performed the medley. Got to check that out. Sure he did. Shout out to the homie Christina Carrego who said Nas is performing all the songs that he did not win a Grammy for because uh, he's been she's been stubbed. Nas did not win Best Rap Album two years in a row, uh, even though I think he should have based on what was there on the field. I wouldn't even have been mad had it went to J. Cole yeah. uh, for the offseason. I'm not totally mad at what's Tyler, the creator, though. I did not love what I started heard on that album early, so I was like, whatever. But, like, you know, like, Tyler's cool. It's whatever. Now, my thing with the Grammys, <laughs> oh man, this is so loaded. This is so loaded, man. My thing with the Grammys this year is, and this should be also be clear. I've said Brian knows this. I've said it to him before. I am not a big award show person. I do not run into tuning for the awards. I don't really care. They generally disappoint me. They generally don't get stuff right, in my opinion. I know music is subjective. I generally think sometimes it's just a big popularity contest because that's what it is. So I don't watch. I know a lot of people don't watch. A lot of people talk about the Oscars the week before and Will Smith slapping Chris Rock, blah, blah, blah. I'm glad that conversation has quieted down because I was exhausted by it. However, the Grammys. One of the things I listen to a lot every year besides listening to hip hop, if people know me, I like to listen to a lot of jazz. I listen to a lot of reggae and soca. But some years I might not get into a lot of reggae albums the way I want to. So sometimes... I will like, you know, once the list for nominations come out for Reggae Album of the Year, I'll look at it on the Grammys. And generally, they always compile a pretty good list. The five nominees are pretty good. And I would also say most of the times they nail it and they get it right. Now, one of the slight beefs I always have with the Grammys when it comes to the genre of reggae is they never separate dance hall from reggae or roots, right? They never really do that. So they'll mix in dance hall with like roots reggae and they're kind of competing against each other and they should not be, but that's a whole nother thing. Um, so this year I looked to see who won cause I did not watch the show. Looked to see who won best reggae album this year. And I saw it was a group named soldier. I never heard of soldier. So I said, okay, you know what? Let me check this out. Pulled up the Apple music, found the album that won played first track, second track. And I'm going to just keep it blunt. It sounded like some whitewash reggae. That's exactly what it sounded like. Whitewash reggae. And I was like, this just doesn't say it's not rootsy. It just it just didn't have the feel. I can just tell from the voices. I'm like, yo, are these people Jamaican? Like, so I decided to look up Soldier. And I found out they were a band from Arlington, Virginia. <laughs> Arlington, Virginia. And they looked like you would expect people, except with dreadlocks, to look from Arlington, Virginia, and white from Arlington, Virginia. And I was just like, oh, okay. Soldier also starts for, it stands for, excuse me, Soldiers of Ja Army. That's what it stands for. This group, Soldier, they've been making music for a while, this band has. Um, but they Virginia-based band. They won for their album "Beauty in the Silence." I want to give them credit. Uh, it, that was released in July, peaked at number two on Billboard's regular albums. They beat out Sean Paul, dancehall artist. As I said, probably shouldn't have been there. Spice, uh, which a lot of people said their album's good. Jesse Royal, Atana, and Gramps Morgan. Right, um, did that. Now this got a lot of flack on social media. Right, a lot of people were mad on social media particularly our Jamaican brothers and sisters. And 
I don't know how our man uh, Omar feels about it. My man Omar feels about it. But a lot of Jamaican folks I talked to were like, yo, what's going on? Like, we already know, talk about Oscars so white and, you know, reggae is the music of the Jamaican culture. It's known from Jamaican people. And now you got this band from Arlington, Virginia winning it. I'm not saying they can't win it, people. I'm not saying that. But from what I heard, and I'm somebody who listens to a lot of reggae. Nah, man, it wasn't hitting. It wasn't it. It was it wasn't hitting. And I see y'all got jokes in the chat. I see y'all got the jokes. On to Virginia, well-known reggae mecca. Yes, that's where everybody goes. Everybody goes to feel Irie. I I hear you. All right. Uh, they call Arlington Kingston North. <laughs> y'all, y'all do too much, right? Like, but yo, B, and here's the thing, because you get into this whole thing with is this cultural appropriation and i'm not even trying to go that deep but i could understand why the jamaican brothers and sisters feel a kind of way about this particularly when at least from my ears from what i heard and i didn't listen to all the other albums it ain't sound like that right like it it, it, it wasn't hitting like that i'm looking at some tweets people had uh and this person, I think, makes a great point. This was somebody named at New Tiffany. If the majority of Jamaicans across the world are unaware of your existence, you should not be winning a Grammy for Best Reggae Album. Sorry, hmm. not sorry. Yeah, I, I, I talked with other people in Jamaican, and they had no idea who this reggae band was. They never look, heard of them, look, ever. If, 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 if so, to your point, if somebody wins Best Salsa Album and... Puerto Ricans and Dominicans, like, we ain't here, y'all. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. hey, dog. Like, I don't think that would make a lot of sense. You want me to read the members of this group, Soldier? Because I found their names on Wikipedia, on the wiki. As a I, I guarantee you none of, their, none of their names end with a T-O-N. Sorry, my Jamaican brothers and sisters, but we know y'all do that sometimes. Go ahead. Jacob Hemphill, Bob Jefferson, Ryan Birdie, Ken Brownwell, Patrick O'Shea, Hellman Escor- Escorcia, Rafael Rodriguez. Oh, one of your people are from there, too. <laughs> wait, 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 wait till we find out he's Puerto Rican. Wait till we find out that he's Puerto Rican. In Virginia? I don't know. Uh, I do have family in Virginia, though. Yeah. But I don't really go. talk to them, so that yep. count. Yeah, he's probably, um, probably your cousin. Trevor probably. Young. Is the last person here? Apparently, they were formed in 1997. Yeah, this, they've been they've been doing their thing for a while. Here's my thing: this, and I want people to be clear on what I'm saying, people, because when we got to go, people love reggae music. People can make whatever music they want. There's no exclusionary music. I do think the point the young lady made on Twitter is the point I make about the Grammys. Nobody knows about y'all. Nobody in the reggae community is really bumping y'all. You're not. Where are the people who are really plugged in? You can't just look at sales. It can't just be a popularity contest because a whole bunch of like white folks that don't really mess with the genre bought it, and now we're going to get get nominated. That's the that's the kind of the issue. Like you have people making decisions on the culture around certain cultures that don't even really immerse themselves in the music, whether it's hip hop, whether it's reggae, whether it's whatever. That's kind of my thing here. And I see, I see my man Omar also knows about the teasers you're making. You'll go to, if there's not an Everton or Trevor, they're not valid. Yep. I would, I would happen to, I would happen to agree. No Barrington, no Everton, no Layton, nothing. Caribbean people, we like to, we like to add the TONs to the end of the name. Uh, so that, that's it. But I think that's my problem here. And it's just that, like, 
also like the music's got to be good. And it ain't sound like that. Now, if there's some Jamaican brother or sister that's out there willing to tell me that Soldier is slapping like that, cool. But I didn't hear it. And no, this is just typical for the Grammys. This is typical for the Grammys. Not connected with certain cultures. Who's making the decisions on best Latin album? Like, do we have people that actually listen to the music and, and really just invested in that music in the room making the decision for the nominations? No, because we know the people that run the Grammys is old and white, and they're not really trying to do anything like that. And that's why I don't really watch. Is this, this, I'm just saying this because it's, we've talked a lot about hip hop, but this happens even outside of hip hop. And people who are not connected to culture or immersed or invested in the culture is nothing to do with Soldier being white, right? It doesn't even have to do with that. But are they, were, were they really one of the five best reggae albums that dropped last year? Yeah, I doubt. from what I heard, I doubt it. That's yeah. what I'm saying. You know, I think award shows, specifically major award shows and major awards are overrated. Uh, we know that in this industry, no disrespect to people who have won Emmys and things of that nature. But like if you work at a big company, they'll just you'll you'll get Emmy nominated because they nominate whoever is doing stuff at their big company. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah like yeah. that's just kind of how like it's it's basically a say like everything is sort of a politicized game uh, of like not merit, not totally merit based. It's popularity contests or it's just. You know, you could buy your way into the Grammys by just having a great connection with the board or great connection through your label. And that case, like that's a lot of how major award shows work. Independent, a little bit different, a little more merit based. Not perfect, but a little more. But, but a little more merit based. But. Yeah. So like, you know, with these things, it's like always read between the lines and think, think about who knows who and who benefits from this the most. And you'll pretty much, you know, find your way there. And also follow the money because that typically works as well. There you go on your Lester Freeman. There you go. All right. That is it for this episode of the ARTL Podcast. Thank y'all for joining us live. We got to do more live ones like this. I enjoy doing these. Um, It also makes our life a little bit easier on certain ends. I will say that as well, too. Uh, But it's nice for y'all to rock with us in the morning. We hope that you had a good morning, a good day. We'll try to do some more. Probably... um, also, you know, with NBA season coming up, Brian talked about doing some stuff on NBA. Maybe we'll go again live next week. Who knows? We just might do that. If you missed uh, the beginning part of the show, you can go back and listen. The audio will be up on all digital streaming platforms shortly. You can also rewatch this on YouTube. It's archived there for you. Uh, still got some checking in uh, for some people here. Also, only award shows that matters, pace and spaces, mid-season NBA award show. I got everyone else. I'm not for wrong, too. It happens, man. Y'all get, y'all get, y'all get, we get Shout started. out to pace and spaces. Shout out to paces and spaces, pace and spaces, excuse me. And shout out to my man, Omar. Great show, y'all. Respect. We appreciate you, Omar. Again, Omar, I didn't know you was into the wrestling like that. I guess you're watching it with the kids, too. I, I understand that. Maybe I turned into that, too. Maybe that happens for me. Uh, we appreciate y'all. Y'all know where to support us and follow us. Continue to follow us at AHTT Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, continue to support that Patreon. I promo with prize picks, all that other stuff. Brian will be with me on the NBA Exchange on Friday, so we get to do this again. That will be fun. And then we got a lot of great shows coming for you through the rest of the month. Baseball is back. Uh, March Madness is over. So much to talk about. So we'll talk about all that on upcoming episodes. And... A yes. lot of fights coming up. A oh, lot yeah, of a fucking lot, fights lot, coming up. Errol Spence, Jordanis Ugas is here. Uh, Amanda Serrano, Katie Taylor, Oscar Valdez, Shakur Stevenson, Gennady Golovkin is back this weekend. Tyson Fury, Dillian White, Canelo Alvarez. See, I just rattled all them off. Like, rattled. You're, you're, it's you're, you're, all you're within the next month. 
You're in heaven. All this. Yeah. Violence. Oh my God. So much. And this. then you got UFC this weekend. Alexander Volkanovsky's fighting Peter Yan, Korean Zombie, Aljamain Sterling. Matt, people are gonna be fucking each other up, and I'm gonna be watching and talking. All this violence. It's, it, it can only mean great energy for Brian here on the A Hotel podcast. That's the way I look at it positively. That's the only way I can look at it for sure. All right, he's Brian Fonseca. I'm Dexter Hebert. Until next time, y'all. Peace.